Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition. Beginner's Guide. Walk through the exchange. For any of you listeners out there that... That already know everything there is to know. You can you can skip all of this delicious entertainment and uh, just stick to our regular scheduled broadcast. But if you if you've got questions that you're just too scared to ask and you're looking for that beginner's overview, uh, we're gonna we're gonna walk us walk you through it right now. Yep, we're gonna try and cover as much as we can about the basic terms and terminology. And then maybe go into a little more depth about some of the different types of investments. Uh, but this is going to be as basic as it gets. That's right. That's right. And you know, it's funny, Kyle. Uh, I, did, I did do a little bit of research on the very first item on, on our Financial Neptitude Knowledge Center. The, uh, <laughs> the, the market what terms. A- Exchange. Yeah. A marketplace where stocks, currencies, futures, etc. are bought and sold. Uh, my my very first thought was, do we even need people running a stock exchange? Uh, there's a ton of them that are online only, I think, already at this point. Right. So, viewer, listener, uh, China shoppers, uh, the exchange is, started out as an actual physical location where people were on a stock floor yelling at each other like, I'll buy this many shares, I'm selling this many shares. Hundreds of years. Uh, that's that's how it went down. But now we have computers uh, doing all the heavy lifting, and there is a current debate over whether or not you even need humans on a stock trading floor, or is it just fancy uh, marketing to to look good so you can get the cameras in there and you get the CEO of Snap ringing the <laughs> bell to open the market. Yeah, I. I... I don't think it's necessary at all at this point in this day and age. I mean, it takes so much longer to have one guy go run out onto the floor and try to chase down somebody and say, hey, do you want to sell your shares for this much? Yeah. And the guy says, no, I'll sell them for this much. And then he has to go run back and say, will you buy them for this much? Yeah, right. No, no, with the online exchange, it's all just taken care of for you. Click, click, click. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and the funny thing was, I, I read an article, it took about a 10-minute read, and I got to the bottom, and I did not feel like I was informed in any way other than, yeah, some people say it's all for show, because, you know, you get some good <laughs> photo ops, uh, which which made me really, really sad, and it made me think, I bet we don't need humans, and there's no good argument, otherwise it would have been in this article. <laughs> I think probably the best benefit of actually having a physical location would be just to be able to have all those people in the same room or, you know, same space. You probably have access to a lot more information, a lot more networking. Uh, I think there's probably a benefit to that. 
as opposed to just sitting in a uh, at a computer and just only being exposed to whatever you select to pull up in front of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like for actually affecting the exchange or the transactions, I can't imagine that being at the stock exchanges makes it any easier. In fact, it seems like it makes it a little more, uh, I don't know, superfluous. Su- superfluous. Uh, <coughs> the, uh, do we need and- to do a quick... Definition of that, too? (laughs) (laughs) No. If we took time to define superfluous, we'd be just doing another superfluous segment. Um, uh, I guess there's a 15-minute window when the market closes where the live human traders can keep trading, but the computers are disconnected. And that Mm -hmm. feels a little shady to me. Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of like the way the trade deadline works in sports. Like, if you had an ongoing negotiation, uh, you have, like, up to an hour after the trade deadline has expired to continue that call and try to oh, finalize okay. the deal that you started discussing. So I imagine it's kind of along the same lines with that. Like, if you've started negotiating a transaction, you probably get the time to finish it. Mm. But that's complete speculation on my part. I have no <laughs> yeah. no knowledge yeah whatsoever of how the inner workings go to to sum up our little definition of exchange uh the famous exchanges new york stock exchange nasdaq uh you know london stock exchange they they all exist but now we have many many virtual exchanges that uh i don't even have a have a number in front of me but there are many many places uh that that will offer stock trading uh, those are just the big famous ones. The exchange is just the place where it's happening, be it virtual or a real physical location. Uh, that's what that's what a stock exchange is. And that's basically what people are referring to when they say the stock market as well. Yes, yeah, they, they say the market. Uh, they're referring to the collective exchanges. Right. All right. Well, that would... Uh, are we just going to go down the list? Yeah, I guess might as well. So speaking of market, what's a bull market? Yes, when people say we are in a bull market, when we say we're two bulls in a china shop, we are making a pun on a bull market, uh, which uh, according to our knowledge center is an extended time frame when the values of stocks are tending to increase, encouraging more buyers than sellers. So that's, that's when things are generally going up. Yes. And then the uh, counterpoint to that, or what's the word for that? The opposite, I guess. Uh, bear market, just the same thing, just when the stocks are tending to decrease. So when you hear terms like recession, uh, that's those are kind of tied together. They kind of mean the same thing. Like everything's losing value over a longer period of time. You still have days when in the bull market when stocks drop and you have days in a bear market when stocks rise, but the overall trend is what determines whether it's a bull or bear market. Right. Right. Yeah. If you can, if you look at the, the, the history like of the stock price or, 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 you know, even like the S and P 500, if in the past mm-hmm. six months, if you look six months ago and the price of the S and P was higher than it is now, it generally means you're in a bear market because the average is going down. And, of course, it, more often than not, it's going up, though. Good little segue. You mentioned uh, looking at the S&P. Uh, yes. What is the S&P? Yeah. Why don't you answer it? 
Aha, I think I will. <laughs> uh, the S&P is just one of the many different indexes. Uh, an index, when you hear people talk about the Dow Jones or the NASDAQ, uh, it's just a cl- uh, like a conglomeration or just an average of a bunch of different companies that people are looking at to kind of track the markets. Yes. Um, they can be broken up into different sectors, um, like the Dow tries to take like the top 30 companies. Uh, the NASDAQ is more tech-focused. The S&P is more of a like, mid-cap type uh, representation. Um, and then there's, I mean, there's any number of different, there's a gold index, there's oh, yeah. currency indexes, they're, they're all over the place. But they're all just a statistical way of measuring or tracking how that particular market is doing. Yeah, how that how that particular slice, uh, yes. like the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, that's looking at industrial the industries that are producing physical goods. Not necessarily. I think Salesforce is on there. They're more of a cloud term. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that basically. Well, maybe maybe that's 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 where it started. More than likely, yeah. I mean, the Dow's been around for how many hundred years? Two or three years, at least. Uh, 1885, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Suck on that knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so now, the with the same thing with the indexes, now you've got uh, other things called ETFs, or exchange-traded funds. And those are... I love those. Uh, I, what? I love them. Oh, <laughs> Uh, they're basically a collection of stocks that represent an index or industry. So you've got like the SPY is an ETF that mimics the S&P 500. Um, there's other things like mutual funds, like you probably heard a lot about. Uh, uh, an ETF is is basically like a mutual fund, but it's not managed. Uh, so you typically don't have a lot of transaction fees or management fees associated with it. So they tend to be... Um, you tend to get better returns on them just based on following the markets as a long term and not having to pay out a significant portion of your gains. Yes, to some yes. manager for pushing buttons. Uh, I in like his room by himself. I like the exchange traded funds. I'm a big fan of ETFs. When I'm ca- casually talking to somebody and I say, "Oh yeah, I'm investing in electric vehicles," I don't mean mm-hmm. I've picked Tesla and I'm putting money in Tesla. I don't. When I say that, I'm not specifically referring to any to Neo, uh, the, the Chinese car company. I'm saying I have an exchange traded fund that represents the electric vehicle industry, and and that's one of the reasons I like them so much is because because you can, to me, it, it feels like I'm investing in in the concept and, and the whole thing, and not any. I'm not trying to pick the winner of a specific company. I'm trying to pick the winner of a specific segment of the industry. Alright, so, now ETF that is a conglomeration of different stocks, but what is an actual stock? Well, that would be a form of a security referred to as a share that entitles the holder to a proportionate fraction of the issue, blah, 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 whoa. Ha, <laughs> sorry, lost, uh, lost, my, hard. lost my brain there. <laughs> uh, so, so, a stock is a share certificate, you could actually get a physical piece of paper if if you, uh, I mean, it's a process these days, and it's probably harder to go through like Robinhood and get it. But basically, yeah, a, a company says uh, we're going to divide the value of this entire company up to into X amount of shares, let's say ten thousand shares, and a stock is is 
the word we refer to, to, to what those shares are, shares of stock. It's a piece, it represents the conceptual piece of the company. Uh, there are two types, common and preferred. Mostly, we only ever deal with common stock as, as investors. Preferred stock yes. is, is uh, uh, more for like venture capitalists, people who get a piece of the pie if the company goes bankrupt. They're higher priority. Uh, yes. But I also typically don't get voting rights with those. Yeah, which has always been weird uh, to me. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think of it, I guess this is uh, probably not necessarily for the call, but like the company that we're starting, like if we wanted to take venture capitalist money, we would, might not necessarily want them having a say in what we do. So we can give them preferred stock. Yeah. And the benefit of benefit of going that route and not getting the voting rights would be like, hey, if we ever declare bankruptcy, then you'd be higher up on the list to get paid out if we do go under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of covered common stock and preferred stock. So so the stock, uh, we, we uh, each, each stock has its own ticker. A stock mm-hmm. ticker is the symbol, uh, typically three to four letters uh, used to represent the, the company. Uh, you'll see it it's probably like on on a market exchange, you'll see the ticker symbol and then the price of the stock. Like AT and T is T. Uh, it's three M is MMM. Yeah, it's a sh- it's know, a yeah. usually a shortcut. Like Coca Cola's Coke C O K E. K O I thought. K O oh there's that's right there's because there's two Coca Colas. Yeah, yeah, that's right, people. There's a, a company that makes the drink, and then there's a second company that distributes the drink, and they're two separate companies, <laughs> both called Coca-Cola. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's I, bizarre. <laughs> I worked, when I worked for Coca-Cola, I worked for a shipping distributing company called Coca-Cola. That's C-O-K-E. Oh, you didn't actually work? Really? So that cup you gave me is not an actual Coke cup? That is a... Uh... That's basically a trucker cup you gave me. <laughs> they, they're they're like sister companies. <laughs> That's um, weird. I must have split it off or something to separate so, the distribution from the. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, uh, 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 Ko produces the soda, and Coke distributes it. But but it is it's an or sorry it's the it's the largest independent Coca Cola bottler. That yeah, that it, in the United States sells and distributes Coca Cola across fourteen states to more than sixty five million people. So yeah, that's that's who I worked for. But it's still <laughs> it's still called Coca Cola. It still has the same brand. This this it's, it's weird. It's, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> uh, Sorry, that big digression. No, that's fine. That's kind of what this is for. Uh, okay, so that's a ticker. Just real quick, options are when. You want to see your money, your your dollar go from being worth a dollar to being worth nothing. It's 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 a place you can put your money in to make sure that other people will get it someday, but you don't want it anymore, so you put it in the options. It's a way to redistribute your wealth upwards. <laughs> Upward, yes. No, no, no. That's not the definition of options. I'm just bitter right now. Uh, uh, we, they are options are their own beast. Uh, we don't need to get them in the, into them today. But basically, it's a it's a contract that gives you the right to buy some stock, and and we'll we'll get in that future bonus episodes. But uh, 
that's basically what they are. All right, so so that's some of the basic terms that how the market works. Let's get into like say you wanted to buy a share of a company, Dan. Say you grandma gave you five hundred dollars for Christmas, and now you want to go turn around. You want to buy five hundred shares of Amazon, or not? Sorry, not five. <laughs> Let me pick a more realistic one there. <laughs> Suppose you wanted to buy $500 worth of our bet pick, uh, Blink. Oh, yeah. How would you go about that? Um, that's a very good question. Uh, you would have to approach your stock broker. And you would. Ha- and who is your stock broker? What does that mean? So your stock broker is the person that is doing the buying and selling, at the, at the actual trading of the commodity. So, like, the people we talked about on the stock exchange, we talked about real people being on the floor, those were stock mm-hmm. brokers. Uh, it, it actually, there is a, there's a process, like, you, you have to take, you have to get certified. You know, not anybody can just walk in and be like, I want to be a broker. Uh, but, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a certification Way process. Kill the dream. Uh, but... <laughs> As we said, it's it's been mostly automated. So right now, probably the the easiest one for people to get started with is Robinhood, the 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 stock trading app. Well, when you open that app and you deposit your that five hundred dollars from my grandma, you know, I download the app, I open an account, I say Robinhood, my my personal stockbroker. Here's five hundred dollars I got from grandma, and then I tell Robinhood, hey, I want to buy shares in Blink Energy. And uh, uh, I submit it through the app, and then Robinhood is the ones they have to actually go out. Now it's excuse me. Again, there's no people; it's just automated when they do it. But they have to send that signal out to all the exchanges and say, "Is anybody selling five hundred dollars worth of BLNK Blink Energy?" Until they find somebody that is selling, and then they connect us, and then boom, I I give you know they they Robinhood gives them the money. And transfers the stock over to my name. All right, so Blink closed at forty forty one. <laughs> so now you want to buy your shares of Blink, okay? So you put in your bid to buy, let's just say, 10 shares. Uh, you used a market order, and you buy it, but the last price says forty forty one. but you just bought it, and it's charged you forty one fifty or forty fifty. dollars uh, You know, what's the deal with that? Why, why aren't you getting the price that it's showing? Because Hermes, god of business, hates you and wants to see you fail. <laughs> Do you want to ask me that question and then I can... Uh... Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> And I can explain it. <laughs> so when you do a market order, there are several different types of orders you can place with your broker. And one of them, the, mo- the most easiest, is called a market order, where you literally say... Uh, maybe it's not a dollar amount. Say you, you say, I want to buy 10 shares of Blink Energy. And I want it now and I don't care what it costs. I want it now and I don't care what it costs. So that market order basically goes to the first person it can find that's selling 10 shares. And they're say, you know, they say, I've got the money and Kyle has the shares. If Kyle wants to sell his 10 shares of Blink, he can do it under a t- specific type of order, and he can say, I only want to sell these shares of, of Blink Energy for $41, even though everybody else is trading at $40.50 or 40, for whatever it is, 40 41 
No, that's uh, it. Doesn't necessarily go to just the first person. It's still they still have to find the lowest bid that's currently out there, but it's going to just take the lowest bid that's currently uh, trying to sell when you put in a market buy. Uh, that's that's actually where TD Amer- That's where um, Robinhood was getting into trouble. Was they were routing those orders through uh, to to different exchanges rather than trying to get the best price that was already out there. Yeah, they were trying to get the one that gave them the be- the, the most kickback. <laughs> right, they were doing their partners first. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the 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 market order you're guaranteed you'll get your shares right now, but you don't know at what price because it's it's based on what's being offered in the market. Okay, Dan. So you you, cut, you said we could do a limit order where I can set my share price. Okay, well I see the last price was say forty dollars and fifty cents. So I set a limit order at $40.50, and then I press execute, and it still doesn't go through. What's the deal with that? Uh, Because the limit order is going to wait until it can connect with someone. No, no, no. no. Uh, This is the the, the bid-ask part. The price that's being displayed, I'll let you go ahead and re-say it. The price that's being displayed is the last price, not necessarily what it's worth or what it's trading at right now. That was the last price somebody paid. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the next price that someone's going to pay is. That's where those bids and asks come into play. Like the last trade might have been at $40.50, but if something happened and now people want $40.60 as the minimum, you know, you might have to wait a minute for it to come back down to where you want it. Right. And the limit order is saying don't execute this unless you can get it at this price. Right. But the... The price that shows up, that last trade, that's the last trade price. That's the last ex, uh, ex, uh, transaction that happened, what the agreed price was at that point. So so what is the, the, the bid and ask if, if the last traded price is what it's saying the price is, then why are the bid and ask different than that last traded price? Uh, that's just the current, the bid is the current uh, amount that somebody's willing to pay at this second. The ask is the, the currently offered sell price that somebody is willing to offer this, this second, the lowest selling price and the highest purchase price. I see. So if somebody has got a higher bid in than you, then obviously their transaction's going to go through before your limit order gets next on the queue. You have to wait until... Nobody else wants to pay that price so before you'll get yours. The ask is what the seller is asking for. The bid yep. is what the buyer wants to get it at. Yes, and if you're placing a limit order to buy, then you're, you're placing a bid, basically. You're saying, hey, I want some of those. Here's what I want to sell for. Mm. And then you got to wait until you're the high bid. <laughs> I see. I see. So, so that's a, a limit order is when you're you're setting your specific price. It's almost like an auction, right? You got the guy up at the front saying, "Let me hear. It. Does anybody want to buy this for this amount?" And then you got like several people raising their hands. I want it. I want it. I want it. Well, until somebody actually is willing to sell it mm-hmm. at that price. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's so, willing to pay more than you are, then you might have to wait a minute. Yeah, they they'll get those shares before before you. I don't know that that was the best analogy, but. That works if there's one seller. That's the scenario you want to be in as a seller, by the way. <laughs> You're the only one selling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the dream. It, some, something, uh, 
that we should have covered earlier. I, I consider this to be one of the basic understandings of the stock market and what's moving a price up and down because it's not always based on something real and physical, the price of a stock. It's not always, oh, Coca-Cola stock. Well, how much is the Coca-Cola company worth? Let's add up their land and their buildings and their trucks and their office supplies. And then they've got this many shares. No, it's not, it's not that simple. The, because, because there's only so many people that own the stock and there's only so many people who want to buy the stock, that price of the stock is going to go up if there are more people who want to buy than there are sellers. Like Kyle said, if you're the only seller and everybody wants to buy, you can pretty much name your price. You're the only one selling. <laughs> uh, so the price is going to go up if, if there are more people who want to buy than there are people who want to sell that, own, that currently yes. own the stock. Uh, and then the, the, the reverse situation is, is if there are more people who want to sell their shares of stock in the company, like... Today, Blink Energy, for instance, which shot down quite a lot, there were a lot more people who owned <laughs> shares of Blink Energy that wanted to sell than there were people out there who wanted to buy shares of Blink Energy. So the price goes down because the people who want to sell, they're having a hard time finding a buyer. That's another good scenario. You're the only one who wants to buy. No, that's not necessarily a good scenario, but for other reasons. Uh, <laughs> that could be good. <laughs> Probably could, not. Could be good. There's a reason not. why nobody wants it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the only buyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in that scenario, you can assume that the price of that stock is going to be really, really low because those people who want to sell, they want to they get out. The price is going to go down because the people that bid, they're making bids, they're going to be going lower and lower. Uh, okay. To, hey, Dan. Yes. Uh, you keep talking about having one person for a buy and one person to sell. What if nobody wants to sell? That's a good question, Kyle. What if nobody wants to sell? <laughs> um, the institutions uh, that that they hold a lot of reserves on these stocks and they they do a lot of these trades. Uh, it's not always a one person for one person type scenario. Uh, a lot of times you're actually trading with like the the financial institutions that that run the exchanges. Yeah, they're they're the house at the casino. It's very unlikely you'll get into a scenario where you're the only person who wants to sell. I mean, the price might be dropping. The institution may be setting the lower price that they're willing to buy it at. But there's that built into the markets in order to kind of smooth out those fluctuations. Right. But as a basic rule of thumb, more buyers than sellers, price going up. More sellers than buyers, yes. price going down. Uh, take a look That's at absolutely a, right. yes. a, a company like Tesla uh, with a price where their earnings per share ratio. Oh, it's so high, high, high. We'll, we'll talk about earnings per share later. Uh, but it just people like the Tesla brand. They like Elon Musk. And so for the last couple of years, we have seen more people wanting to buy Tesla stock than there are people wanting to sell their Tesla stock. So the price has just kept climbing and climbing and climbing in it. And, and eventually it really has nothing to do with what the company physically owns. It has to do with how many people want to be owning a piece of that company. How many people believe mm -hmm. that company is going to be huge in the future. So they want to get their piece now. Uh, <laughs> oh, that I just don't know. Is there is is there or has there ever been a, a company more overvalued than Tesla? Oh, I can't think of one off the top of my head. 
I'm pretty sure if you went back to the dot-com bubble, you'd probably find a few. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, Tesla's at least making money now, so... Yeah, for a long time, it was their stock kept going up, and they they hadn't even turned a profit. It's like, oh, yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, what else we got here? Hey, Dan. Yeah. Okay, so I bought my shares of Blink. Um, I got my order in. I set my limit order. Executed at the price I wanted. Now I own these shares. Yes. Now what? How do I protect myself from losing everything? Mm. Well, then you go out and you. Basically busting all the windows of Blink's competitors to make sure none of the other <laughs> companies can compete. Is there nothing I can do to protect my investment? <laughs> no, of course there is. Uh, you can. There are specific types of orders that you can place. Uh, like we talked about, a limit order. You could do. You could just set a limit order uh, to sell, and you do a thing called. There's there's two time range time frames on on uh, an order. Good for day, good till close. Good till close means keep trying. Good till cancel. Day after good to yeah, good till cancel. Keep trying, keep trying until it it gets done. Uh, but there are there are specific uh, two specific types to protect your money. Two specific types of trades called us. The one's called a stop loss. One's called a trailing stop. Uh, and. Uh, like a stop loss is is basically an order to purchase or sell the shares of stock when it reaches a, an activation price, a trigger price that you, the owner or purchaser of the of the, the you, the trader, uh, enters. Yes. Uh, you can do a stop loss as a market or a limit, but basically it'd be like this blink at forty dollars forty six cents. Uh, Kyle buys in and he he says, "Well, I don't want to lose too much money on it." If this stock goes down to $38, I want to just sell it at whatever price I can get. He'd do a stop loss order of 38 market. He 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 the active the trigger price would be $38, the type would be market order. And then that's just sitting there and then the 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 exchange, the brokers, they know if the price moves here, oh, looks like we're selling Kyle's shares. That'll help to protect you, but it's not always foolproof as anybody who's woken up and saw a stock drop 15 percent overnight <laughs> mm. uh, sometimes you'll blow right through those and you won't get that 38 it's not a guarantee you're going to get the part where you set the activation but yeah. it will sell it's better than nothing i guess is what you can say <laughs> what's uh how does a trailing stop work kyle all right so trailing stop is basically the same thing as a stop loss except your activation price is going to move so you can set it as either a percentage or as a dollar amount uh if the stock is trading at forty dollars and fifty cents right now blink energy and we say we want to uh set a trailing stop at five dollars a share uh, below what it's trading at so now if that stock goes up to forty one dollars and fifty cents tomorrow our stop limit is going to be our activation is now going to raise to thirty six fifty instead of thirty five fifty. So it, from the point you set that order, the highest price that it sees is going to be the point where it's going to subtract your activation um, parameter that you set. Uh, right. It, it could be based on a percentage point, like we said, or it could be based on just a fixed dollar. You know, two dollars from this point, three dollars, four dollars, whatever you want to set. So but a tr- that's a good way of protecting yourself 
as the stock is moving, you can keep raising that point, and then that way you can use that to kind of lock in if it's profitable once it hits a certain point to make sure that you're always going to sell with profit. Yeah, the trailing stop, is it'll move that trigger activating price, but it only ever moves it up. If the stock yes. goes up, the trigger will move up. But if the stock moves down, that trigger sits there to see if it moves down far enough to hit the trigger. Uh, you can also use these stops as buys. Um, that's another, uh, I mean, that's, I don't know if we want to get into that right now. A, a trailing buy? Yeah. You basically just set a trailing stop with a buy order, and then you can do the same thing. Say, once the stock drops, or from the lowest point, once it rises back up above a certain threshold, then I want you to buy it. But if the stock is, like, trending down, you can set that and say, okay, I like this stock, I want to own it, but it's moving down right now, so I don't want to buy it now. I'll set a dollar trailing stop. So when it bottoms out at $38 a share and then starts rising, and once it hits 39 then you bought your shares, as opposed right. to buying them at $40. That's a that's a advanced, tricky maneuver. Uh, I've actually been using it a lot more because trying yeah. to pick a price has been such a pain in the ass that I'd rather just set like a 50 cent trailing stop and then I know that I'm going to get a better price or the better, rather than just picking it and then having it watching it bottom out if it starts to bottom out and keeps running then oh okay well good I didn't buy it at $40.30 I bought it at you know 36.50 instead I think the trailing stops for purchases are a great tool uh just to make so- sure you get a better price Okay, so let's say so. So let's say uh, the stock. Let's say we're looking at Blink Energy, and and I say, well, I'd really like to get it at thirty nine dollars, and it's currently at forty dollars forty cents. So mm-hmm. I set a do I set a trailing stop at like a dollar forty? No, because it'll be if it goes up a dollar forty, that's when you're gonna buy it. It's gonna take the. It's gonna. It's like the opposite of the the when to sell it. It's going to take the lowest price that it sees, and then once it goes up by the amount you specify, then it's going to purchase your shares. If you want to guarantee at least 39 what you would do is you'd set an activation for that order, as well as the trailing stop. So you can say, okay, once this gets below, say, 38.50, I want to activate my order, and my order is going to be a trailing stop of 50 cents. Okay. So that means once it gets below 38.50... If it just go, if it just hits thirty eight fifty, activates and then jumps up again, you're going to buy it at thirty thirty nine. If it continues going down past that activation point, then you're going to get a better price um, until it, it finally goes up by the amount you specified. Okay, so so basically, it's an, another way to say it is, uh, I want to I want to wait for this stock to stop going down and then go up a certain amount. Once it's gone up that certain amount, that's when I want to buy. Yes, in. yes, oh, that makes sense. It's the complete opposite of selling it with the trailing stop. With the trailing stop, you're saying, I want to wait till it stops going up before you sell it. And then I say it go down a certain amount. Well, you can do the opposite of that. You can do, basically, you can buy it the same way. Trailing stop, purchase. All right. Well, is there are there any other terms you'd like to go over today, Kyle? No, I feel like that last bit there might have got a little more in-depth than what we actually wanted to cover on this. <laughs> I did want to talk about a little bit more about the how you value the company, but I yeah. think you started no, covering that. 
we, we can we okay i touched a little bit on it let's uh let's expand how how are companies valued i'm looking at investopedia i was just going to go ahead and read through mm-hmm. uh, the first couple paragraphs of this so a company's market cap is first established in an event called an ipo initial public offering so we've seen a lot of those coming up in the news lately ipo is the first time a company gets actually traded it goes public mm-hmm. uh, when the public can go out and buy shares and own a piece of that company if it's privately owned then there's no shares available to the company they're not or the public they're not traded on any exchanges they may have internal shares that owners of the company might have but the ipo is the first chance that we get as a as the public to to own a piece of that pie yes so there's a very complex formula and valuation techniques that they use to derive the company's value they're gonna be looking at things like assets uh expected earnings any any sort of just yeah, all the things that they have that have tangible value and try to assign something to that. Uh, they're going to determine how many shares are going to be offered to the public and what price. So a company, let's say let's say we have a company whose value is estimated $100 million. They're going to issue 10 million shares at $10 a share. So that company goes public. It gets its initial pricing from the exchange. And what they say it's going to start at, like when they say they're going to offer it at $10 a share, unless you're part of the select few that gets the first crack at those, whatever they set aside for the IPO, mm-hmm. you are probably never going to see that $10, especially if it's a hotly anticipated one. Yes. The institution's going to price that out at, say, like 10 But once it hits the market, and the, if there's a lot of people that want it, that thing's going to go up before it ever even actually changes any hands. Uh, right. I'm trying to think of one, an example. Uh, Unity, I think, was one that got released. At, I think it roughly doubled before it ever actually even traded a share. Alibaba was kind of the same way. I think that was priced somewhere around like 50 or so when it first came out. And then the first shares that actually traded were around 85. Oh, yeah. Um, so after the company goes public and its shares start trading on a stock exchange, its share price is going to be determined by supply and demand, which is what you were saying. If there's a high demand for shares due to favorable factors, the price will increase. If the company's future growth potential does not look good, sellers of the stock can drive the price down. Mm. So that's where supply and demand comes in. So it starts out with the valuation that's kind of tied to something, but after that, it can be influenced by any number of factors, and a lot of it is emotional. Yeah, something we talked about on the show that I, I like to use as one of my favorite examples is Hertz Rent-A-Car filing for bankruptcy, and literally in the filings, like, we don't know if we'll be able to keep existing as a company. We're trying to, but we don't know. And yeah, and then the, the their stock price, which had been falling and falling and falling, went started shooting up because people started anticipating, oh, hey, look how cheap Hertz is. They're not going to go away. They'll make it through this bankruptcy. And, and you, all of a sudden you had a lot more buyers than sellers, and the price started shooting up. It shot up so much, <laughs> they actually asked the judge if they could issue new shares while they were in bankruptcy, which I've never heard of before. Right. Yeah. And the judge actually <laughs> said, no, no, you may not issue new shares of a company. You're, you don't even know you're going to be a company. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but we can make this money. Um, I believe if your business model is issuing new shares to new investors, that's called a Ponzi scheme. If that's where your money comes from. If your income <laughs> if comes from old, new investors, yeah. 
It is a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should get into price and earnings and all that stuff, but I feel like leaving. I think this has gone on pretty decent amount. We could probably uh, yeah. do that for the next episode. All right, folks, uh, if, if there's anything we didn't cover, we may cover it in our next bonus episode, uh, but always uh, you're able to reach out, email us, uh, contact us on social media, give us a phone call, 725-22-BULLS, and we'll make sure we get around to, to answering your question quick like a bunny. And if you like what we're doing, rate and subscribe. Rate and subscribe. That's what my wife rate said. Rate and subscribe. That's going to be our mantra. Rate Please and subscribe. Please rate and subscribe. Yes, yes. And tell your friends to rate and subscribe. Even if they're not going to listen to us, they should still subscribe to us. It's worth it. That was for you, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Keep on trading. Happy trails. Happy trades. We love you. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time here in the China Shop. Bye, folks. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.